Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's episode is the fourth and last I'm devoting to John Greenleaf Whittier's long poem, Snowbound. Snowbound is first and foremost a celebration of community. The primary community is that of the Whittier household at the time of the snowstorm, the poet's father, mother, two sisters, brother, aunt, uncle, two boarders, and the poet himself as a boy. In the final section, the poem opens up to the larger community of neighbors and townspeople as a plow pulled by teams of oxen arrives and pauses at the Whittier home to add the Whittier's team. Whittier gives a wonderful picture of camaraderie at different ages, the men, the boys, and those in between who are interested in the similarly aged girls in the farmhouses. Whittier's depiction of healthy young sexuality seems almost sadly foreign today, the charm of Eden never lost, perhaps now slipping away from us. The section ends, I won't be reading all the way to the end of the poem, with the village doctor making his rounds behind the plow and letting Whittier's mother know of someone ill who will need her help. Whittier alludes to their differing Christian creeds, Quaker and Calvinist, and I'll speak to that before I read the section a second time. But first, let's listen to the arrival of the outside world. From Snowbound by John Greenleaf Whittier Next morn, we wakened to the shout of merry voices high and clear, and saw the teamsters drawing near to break the drifted highways out. Down the long hillside, treading slow, we saw the half-buried oxen go, shaking the snow from heads up-tossed, their straining nostrils white with frost. Before our door, the straggling train drew up and added team to gain. The elders threshed their hands a-cold, passed with the cider mug their jokes from lip to lip. The younger folks down the loose snowbanks wrestling rolled, then toiled again the cavalcade over windy hill through clogged ravine and woodland paths that wound between low-drooping pine boughs winter weighed. From every barn a team afoot, at every house a new recruit, where, drawn by nature's subtlest law, haply the watchful young men saw sweet doorway pictures of the curls and curious eyes of merry girls, lifting their hands in mock defense against the snowball's compliments, and reading in each missive tossed the charm of Eden never lost. We heard once more the sleigh bells sound, and following where the teamsters led, the wise old doctor went his round, just pausing at our door to say, in the brief autocratic way of one who, prompt at duty's call, was free to urge her claim on all, that some poor neighbor sick abed at night our mother's aid would need, for one in generous thought and deed, what mattered in the sufferer's sight? the Quaker matron's inward light, the doctor's mail of Calvin's creed. 
All hearts confess the saints elect who twain in faith, in love agree, and melt not in acid sect the Christian pearl of charity. Both when Snowbound is set in the early 19th century and when it was written later in the century, religious intolerance was a significant part of American life. The intolerance of Christians toward Jews and Muslims, the intolerance of Protestants toward Catholics, and the intolerance between members of different Protestant denominations. Each of the fireside poets sought to diminish the bitterness and violence of this sectarianism. As we see earlier in Snowbound, Whittier's mother was a devout Quaker, as was Whittier himself. In the 17th century, the Puritans of New England tried repeatedly to ban Quakers from their colonies, going so far as to imprison, torture, and even hang those who insisted on living among them. Such official violence had already largely disappeared before the Bill of Rights prohibited it in the new nation of the United States in the late 18th century, but the prejudice still remains strong in Whittier's time. In this section of Snowbound, Whittier doesn't take the Quaker side, however, but asks his readers to overcome their prejudices. For the militant Calvinist descendants of the Puritans, the Bible is law. For Quakers, on the other hand, guidance comes not from the Bible, but from the inner light imparted to the believer directly by God, an inner light adjudicated by the Quaker community it's shared with by the individual believer. That such differences can cause deep divisions is still apparent today between those who wish to take the Bible as law and those who wish to turn instead to progressive enlightenment. But what does this matter to a woman who is sick and needs care? What should it matter to those in position to give care? At the heart of all Christian belief is, or should be, love, as it should be at the heart of all human community. The world of Snowbound is a world of love, despite differences in fortune, background, abilities, or belief. Let's listen again. From Snowbound by John Greenleaf Whittier Next morn we wakened with the shout of merry voices high and clear, and saw the teamsters drawing near to break the drifted highways out. Down the long hillside treading slow, we saw the half-buried oxen go, shaking the snow from heads up-tossed, their straining nostrils white with frost. Before our door the straggling train drew up and added team to gain. The elders threshed their hands a-cold, passed with the cider mug their jokes from lip to lip. The younger folks down the loose snowbanks wrestling rolled. Then toiled again the cavalcade or windy hill through clogged ravine and woodland paths that wound between low drooping pine boughs winter weighed. From every barn a team afoot, at every house a new recruit, where, drawn by nature's subtlest law, haply the watchful young men saw sweet doorway pictures of the curls and curious eyes of merry girls, 
lifting their hands in mock defense against the snowball's compliments and reading in each missive tossed the charm with Eden never lost. We heard once more the sleigh bells sound, and following where the teamsters led, the wise old doctor went his round, just pausing at our door to say, in the brief autocratic way of one who, prompt at duty's call, was free to urge her claim on all, that some poor neighbor sick abed at night our mother's aid would need, for one in generous thought and deed, what mattered in the sufferer's sight, the Quaker matron's inward light, the doctor's mail of Calvin's creed? All hearts confess the saints elect who, twain in faith, in love agree, and melt not in an acid sect the Christian pearl of charity. In the 1950s, the new field of American studies promoted Thoreau's Walden as the central American work of literature, championing what the liberal literary critic Lionel Trilling called the opposing self. Walden is a profoundly anti-materialist book, opposing all riches and possessions in favor of a simpler, happier life. It is also, though, a profoundly anti-social book. Thoreau lives alone in a cabin in the woods, needing no one and scoffing at loneliness. It's a picture of life completely opposite to that Whittier gives us in Snowbound. After reading both, I used to ask my students to compare and contrast the two, not to decide which writer is right and which is wrong, but to think about where they want the balance of their own lives to be and where they think society's emphasis should be on the rights of the individual or the needs of the community. What America and the world need aren't passionate partisans on this side or that side, but thoughtful citizens. I hope you've enjoyed Whittier's Snowbound and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.